Welcome to the Everyone Has a Story podcast presented by the Business and Education Alliance, where students' talents, interests, and aptitudes can be connected to the dynamic world of work. Welcome, teachers and students, to today's episode of Everyone Has a Story, hosted by the Business and Education Alliance. My name is Bob Gemignani. I'm very, very pleased today to have Karen Fishburn, a space systems analyst with MITRE Corporation with us to share her career story. Karen, thank you so much for do donating some of your time to speak into the lives of the next generation. Oh, my pleasure. Let's get right to your career story interview, Karen. So think back to just a few short years ago, perhaps when you were a middle <laughs> school student or a high school student, did you have any thoughts back then about what kind of job you wanted to do when you grew up? Oh, yes. Um, yes, when I was in high school, I wanted to be an astronaut. That was uh, what I worked toward for a very long time and uh, actually tried for. That was where I wanted to be. I was inspired by uh, all the shuttle flights at that time. I won't say how long ago. I, I wanted to be an astronaut on the shuttle. Oh, wow. So uh, we're going to be very curious to hear your journey uh, <laughs> to landing where you are today. So, uh, but before we get to that, Karen, uh, what was your first ever paid job? First ever paid job was uh, in high, maybe even junior high school, uh, doing filing. My mom was an office manager and she uh, needed some help doing some transitional filing. And so I ended up doing sitting in a room with piles of paper around me, trying to put them in some kind of order. So that was my very first job. All right. And uh, Karen, when you were in high school, <clears throat> did you have access to any sort of programming that brought experiential learning to students, uh, much like Business and Education Alliance is now bringing to students in our region, where perhaps you could do an informational interview with a professional through school or go on a site visit or even uh, perform an internship for a local business. Did you have any of that programming available to you? And if so, did you take advantage of it? Yeah, unfortunately not. Uh, I have to admit, I went to uh, high school and college in the 80s. And uh, so that was a very long time ago, pre-internet. Um, so I didn't have the resources that uh, you guys have today. And um, the the kind of work that I wanted to do just wasn't available in my where I grew up. So unfortunately, no, I didn't have this kind of act, uh, option, which is fabulous. I think it's fantastic now, and I'm so jealous. Thanks, Karen. Uh, most of the business reps that we talk to, when they really <laughs> find out what we're up to, which is really exciting for our community, um, they say something to the effect of, gosh, I wish I had this when I was oh, in high school. Yes so many great things in this community now. So yeah, it's fantastic. All right, Karen. So uh, a wannabe astronaut um, <laughs> now uh, perhaps getting glimpses of space operations from your current role, but without being in space. Um, so you get a chance now to lay out your journey from that initial vision in a middle school, high school to where you are today as a space systems analyst. If you could, Karen, um, try to be mindful of as you move through your educational choices and career choices and job selections, how you kind of inventoried your interests and what you thought you were good at or your aptitudes 
to kind of mm -hmm. land you where you are today. So I'm going to give you the floor for as long as you need. Oh, well, that's funny you say inventory or aptitudes, because that's something as a 17 year old, I had no clue about what my aptitudes were, or what, you know, I had to offer. But yeah, coming out of high school, uh, like I said, it was it was in the 80s. Um, I was inspired by the space shuttle, uh, Judy Resnick. Uh, one of the astronauts who died in the in the Challenger explosion had actually been one of my idols at that time, uh, along with Lieutenant Uhura and uh, Sulu and Star Trek and Princess Leia and Star Wars. So, you know, these were all my inspirations. I did have some real people in there, but um, yeah, as a kid, that's what led me on that path. Um, so yeah, in high school, worked hard at math and science because that's those were the things that I knew I was going to need. Uh, got to college, uh, picked a college to, uh, and signed up to be an aerospace engineer, which is where I thought I needed to be. Applied for scholarships and uh, any kind of funding I could get to be an aerospace engineer and didn't get anything. So I, I kept at it and I started uh, uh, my aerospace engineering education. <clears throat> and then uh, I got a contact from the uh, ROTC at uh, the school I was going to, Boston University, and they were desperate for physics and math majors. And they said, you know, if you'll, if you'll study one of these disciplines, then uh, we'll pay your full ride. And since I was terrible at physics, <clears throat> which is an awful thing to say when you're trying to be an engineer, uh, I signed up for the math scholarship and they ended up paying my ride uh, out of, um, at Boston University, which was great. And uh, that worked out fabulously. I, I, I didn't realize till I was older how much of a, a jackpot I have hit there. And I said, well, can I take a phone book in the jet, in the pilot's seat? And he didn't laugh. So um, anyway, so that kind of nixed my chance of being a, a, an Air Force pilot and getting into the shuttle program that way. So I thought, okay, I'll just have to be a really good space analyst. And I got very lucky. My first assignment was out at Cheyenne Mountain tracking satellites. And I thought, oh, this is great. I'll actually, I actually ended up working with astronauts. And uh, uh, Commander Gardner, who, if you see a picture of a guy with a for sale sign standing or floating in front of the uh, uh, DSP satellite, I got to work with him. Um, and I applied for, uh, to be an astronaut uh, after that assignment. And, uh, very first uh, checkbox you got to fill on there is, do you have perfect vision? And uh, I don't have perfect vision. And so I didn't get to be an astronaut and I was heartbroken. But, uh, at the time, I really was enjoying my job with the Air Force, tracking satellites and, and uh, keeping astronauts safe because that was my job, you know, telling them uh, when things were going to collide when, with the, the shuttle and they would maneuver the shuttle based on my advice. Uh, and so I stayed with the Air Force for nine years doing that. And now I'm still doing uh, space system support. Uh, I actually communicate with the ground system that controls the ISS uh, as part of my job. I also work with other countries, helping their space programs get going and, and to collaborate with them. So, you know, everything worked out and I've had a great career. And uh, even though I'm not where I planned to be when I was 17, or 20 or 25 when I applied to be an astronaut. I've really enjoyed my career and I really love where I am now. And I'm keeping the space lane safe. As, and so I couldn't ask for a better ending to all of this. Where my brain went with your story is 
um, even though you couldn't get into space, uh, which was your desire and your interest, uh, how much closer can you get than where you are, like commanding shuttle maneuvers, right? Yes. I mean, that's pretty cool. It is. It's been fun. And it was something I didn't know existed when I was you know, 17 and trying to plan things out, but I happened to fall into, you know, for every failure, I found another path and it's worked out really well for me. Karen, uh, another interesting note I want to make too, if, if uh, students are watching this, uh, this story right now, if you've watched others, um, one of the, one of the interviews I did a couple of weeks ago, um, our career representative talked about having an interest bucket um, mm -hmm. So instead of a particular job, um, you know, this person said they had uh, an interest bucket in engineering, for example. Well, you had a, a specific interest to be an astronaut, but you yeah. ended up in that bucket. You ended up in the bucket of aerospace, right? So mm -hmm. students, you know, maybe when you're middle school and high school, you don't have to have, unless you're really inspired to be an astronaut or you're really inspired and you're good at mm -hmm. a certain type of job, that's great. But most professionals that we're interviewing are kind of thinking about a lane or a bucket and, and that the job or the occupation could be refined as you go along in your high school education. And if you choose to go to post-secondary, you just keep refining and shifting and moving uh, based on conditions, right, Karen? Oh, definitely. And always keep your eyes open and, and don't get settled. Don't get too settled because there's always, you know, something fun to go uh, kind of switch to or try out. That's definitely great advice. So Karen, um, talk to us. Uh, what would you say is the biggest single challenge you have faced in your career? Uh, and how did you overcome that? Probably figuring out once I didn't get the, uh, the astronaut slot, um, I had kind of been putting all of my focus on that. And all of a sudden, I, I had no, no direction and no target. Doing the, the personal, what else am I good at? And what, what do I want to do? Do I want to continue working in space? Do I want to uh, continue working in the Air Force? All of those questions all going through my head, trying to figure personally reconcile that I wasn't going to be an astronaut, you know, after all of that effort. Um, and then finding um, kind of the courage to jump off and start trying other things with other objectives in mind. Um, and at that point, that's when I, um, if I could go back and, and tell my younger self something, I'd say, be bold, you know, just try things. If they look interesting, try it. You know, no one's going to judge you badly for it. All, all it does is is it's personal growth. When you try new things, if you fail, you learn something. If you succeed, that might be a path you want to follow, or you might want to decide you do something else. So, um, having having the courage to to really um, every couple of years, and I still do it. You know, kind of look at where I am and say, is this really what I want to be doing, or should I try this other thing that has popped up, or should I try writing? Uh, publishing a new research paper, which I do every now and then. That's one of the thing, ways I reset. That was kind of the toughest part when I had to figure out, okay, where do I go now? Karen, let's talk a little bit about mentorship or people who've helped influ influence your life in a positive way, encouraged you, whatever that might look like for you. Um, this is an opportunity for you to give shout outs to folks um, that have helped inspire you throughout <laughs> your career. So who would you like to talk about? 
Oh, um, I have had two bosses who really, really influenced me in good ways. Um, one was Colonel Olson, um, who is actually, they're both now retired. And the other was uh, Major Norman Jarvis. Um, and the, both of them, the way they influenced me was they would encourage me uh, to, to try crazy things. You know, when I would go to them and say, hey, I want to do this. And they go, really? Okay, well go for it and, and see what happens. And, uh, but they were always kind of behind me, either poking me in one direction or another and, and helping me with, with words of wisdom. They were both, um, there's, you know, lessons in my head that I've taken away from them that I don't know if they realize that I'm still reciting what they've said to me in my head. Um, but something, you know, that, that I never thought about before are how much uh, bad bosses have also influenced me. I've seen, I've had bosses who've been awful and I study them because what they do are things I don't want to do. And I don't ever want to, you know, be for people around me. Um, and so I also have, you know, things going through my head from bad bosses saying, don't ever be the person that does this. You know, if you promise you're going to get something done, get it done. If you, uh, tell someone that uh, they need to fix what they're doing, then don't do what, don't do that thing. I've learned both from those two very special bosses. And then I've also learned from a lot of other people just watching them and saying, I, filing away, I don't wanna do that. I don't wanna be that person. Cond people like Condoleezza Rice, uh, Margaret Thatcher, those, those types of folks. Um, I watched those women, you know, being strong women and that's helped me a lot. Uh, Again, watching to see what I want to do, the kind of person I want to be by watching women like that. Um, unfortunately, in the Air Force, I actually got to meet Margaret Thatcher. So um, I got to actually see her in action and that was a thrill. So anyway. That's awesome. Those are the big names for me. Yeah, thank you. Um, and students, um, if you're watching multiple career interviews, you're also seeing a theme in that uh, many adults uh, or you know, associates as we grow a little bit older are very willing to share their experience with you. Uh, and in this case, you know, whether good or bad, right? <laughs> um, so, yep. but thank you for, for bringing that up, Karen. Thank you so much. Sure. Um, Karen, what would you say to your teenage self knowing what you know today? Oh, goodness. So many things. Um... I wish I could go back and shake myself and say, don't do this. Um, but uh, like I said, the biggest thing I would go back and, and, and tell myself is uh, be brave, be bold. Uh, don't be scared to the point of inaction. I, after, again, after doing that, that self-reflection and, and self-inventory, uh, I made it a rule for myself uh, to try something every year that scared me. And um, I, that has been one of the, the best decisions of my life. Uh, I tried learning how to ride a motorcycle and I loved it. And I tried learning how to scuba dive and I loved it. I tried hang gliding and I hated it. Uh, I got dragged down a mountain, it was awful. Um, I traveled by myself. Uh, I went to Hawaii and by myself, nobody else around, had a wonderful time. Um, and so things like that, you know, I do something every year that scares me. Um, 
when I turned 50, I got a tattoo. <laughs> so um, that one I, I highly, you know, discourage at young ages. But anyway, um, trying to do something personal that, that, you know, I am intimidated by or that, you know, seems just too much. Uh, I have found that my own personal strengths and capabilities are much greater than I ever thought by doing those personal challenges like riding a motorcycle. Um, and by finding the extensions of my boundaries, it's definitely helped me at work. It's made me a, a much better person at work. Um, I'm much stronger. I'm much more willing to take chances, things like that, um, while still knowing what my limits are. I do know what my limits are. I don't like being dragged down mountains. You know, it's, it's helped me a lot personally overcome a lot of things because I've realized I'm much stronger and much more capable than I ever thought I was. So I wish I could go back and tell myself, try something every year that scares you, you know, uh, even little things, you know. So that, that's my, uh, my I, what I wish I could go back and say. I love it, Karen. Uh, you and me both. I, I got my first tattoo <laughs> at 51, by the way. <laughs> okay. So. That's a great time to do it. Yeah. And my mom still said, oh, my God. But, you know, uh, <laughs> it was a good time to do it. Let's talk a little bit about MITRE Corporation, Karen. Um, what does okay. MITRE Corporation do? What's your mission? And who are your primary customers? Um, well, I'll start with the last question. Our primary customer is the government. Um, MITRE is what's called an FFRDC, a federally funded research and development, I think it's agency, I don't know what the A is, sorry, or C. Um, yeah, I don't know what the C is, sorry. Um, but uh, what we are is we are tasked by the government to be a, a technical expert for the government. And uh, we're supposed to be kind of a third party honest broker for the government. So uh, we will have like one MITRE person embedded with a very large project. And um, that person uh, knows all the technical details. They follow how a program is going. And if um, something is going wrong, while everybody else is saying, oh, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. The MITRE person has the responsibility to say, uh, no, you know, that's, this is broken and we're not, you know, we're over budget here and we're, you know, we're supposed to be the one that gives truth to power in these technical aspects. I'm working actually two programs right now doing that. I'm helping with the development of a J Japan deep space sensor. And uh, so we're, I'm working directly with the Japanese on that. And then um, there's a space uh, command post that I'm advising. Um, there's several of us MITRE folks on that program because it's such a huge program. Um, and I'm supposed to be helping with the operations side, trying to make sure that the, the operations that are being set up are actually the best decisions and the best way to do things. So um, that's, that's the beauty. I really love this function. We're not contractors where we have to deliver something at the end and say, yes, sir, we'll, we'll build whatever you tell us to build, even if it's a silly idea. Um, I'm also not government who has the uh, the onus of delivering. Uh, I'm the person in between that says, you know, this is a good idea. This is a bad idea. Hey, we tried that 10 years ago and it, it failed miserably, or um, you might want to, or also giving advice on better ways to do things. So I really enjoy working for MITRE in this particular role because I've been both government and I've been a contractor and I didn't really like either side. <laughs> this is much better. 
And Karen, um, uh, MITRE has uh, kind of a unique position in another way too, um, in that uh, MITRE is a nonprofit corporation, right? As a defense contractor. Yes. And that that's to, to keep us in that um, third party, no interest, you know, uh, we don't make any money out of any decisions we make or any advice we give. It's, it's all in the best interest of the program and for the government. Talk to students about the different kinds of jobs that are, uh, or the, the types of occupations that are employed at the Colorado Springs operation. Uh, could you name some of the different types of roles that work there? And the reason we ask this question is okay. oftentimes, well, let me back up. A, a, a survey <laughs> was done in Adams County Schools um, they, they surveyed, I don't know, like 40,000 middle school and high school students. And the average student can only, could only name four different kinds of jobs, right? So yeah. what kinds of jobs are working at the Colorado Springs location aside from space system analysts like you? Miter, like I said, we, we uh, and I'll, I'll talk about the bigger company very briefly here. We do advise across the government. We have folks that advise on COVID who are, uh, who are working with the, the scientists working on cures. Uh, also, we have folks working, you know, VA, so Veterans Administration, how to better that, how to do um, transportation better, how we have folks that work directly with the FAA and air traffic. Um, so MITRE as a whole and as advisors, uh, we do advise across the government and we have brilliant expertise all over the company. It's intimidating, you know, when, when you get large groups of us together, all of us are, you know, it's, it's that, uh, what is it called, imposter syndrome. I think all of us get it when we all get in a room together because everybody in this company is just so brilliant. In the Colorado Springs office, we kind of, because there's five military bases here in town, uh, we do end up advising military primarily. We do do some state uh, advising. I'm not involved in that, so I have to confess I don't know what they do, um, but they do help with uh, state issues both in Denver and here in the Springs. But I do know the military side, uh, we're primarily uh, missile, uh, defense and missile warning backgrounds, uh, cyber backgrounds, space in many, and now I'm a, I'm a surveillance expert, but we have uh, folks that have um, exquisite backgrounds in uh, space launch, uh, space satellite control, uh, orbital analysis, which is actually plotting out the orbits and, and managing the orbits of systems, space, uh, so where did I go? Space surveillance, space launch, space intelligence, uh, which I also have some background in. That's a huge field um, and it spans quite a lot of other disciplines. Um, so even when I say, you know, uh, we have space expertise here or cyber expertise, uh, within that expertise, there's always a lot of uh, fields. And then within each field, there's specialties, you know. So um, the, the folks that work here at MITRE, they can talk to you about those larger domains and they can talk to you about their own specialty within those domains. And it's, it, again, phenomenal folks who have brilliant backgrounds. Karen, talk to uh, a student who might be interested in your type of career, um, space systems analyst, about the career ladder. Um, so you haven't always been in your exact role right now. What what has what what would the typical progression look like in your type of job from entry level 
to, you know, advanced or executive level? Uh, I don't think there's any fixed progression. Um, I think uh, a lot of it is follow your nose and follow your interests uh, because um, it is such a broad field. I have worked jobs. So I guess I'll go through my, my, my uh, professional history. Uh, my first job space was space surveillance up at Cheyenne Mountain. Uh, we tasked all the sensors around the globe. They tracked all man-made objects on orbit and kept them in a catalog, which actually the students can go to. It's called space-track.org. Uh, you can actually see the full catalog that the Air Force maintains of all objects on orbit. You can create your own account there and do your own research on everything that's on orbit. So that's what I did as my first job. Um, and in that job, uh, based on the information that we collected and that we generated, we actually advised the shuttle and now the ISS, the folks that are doing it now, uh, when there are potential collisions and how to move. So that was my first job. Uh, second job, I went and worked in intelligence and I uh, did analysis of satellite systems all over the globe for all countries. Third job, I went out to Australia. I was still in the military at that point, and I was a flight commander at a site that commanded the DSP satellites. You know, there you get the satellite control and miss. I actually did missile warning because that's what DSP did, um, where we sent notifications saying, "Hey, a launch has gone off somewhere," and um, that was my job there. Since then, I've I've written operations manuals. I've done further intelligence work. I have worked as a, a systems engineer on uh, ground systems, those sensors that are tracking everything on orbit. I've worked as an, a systems engineer, updating some of those. So um, for my career field, for space systems, especially in this day and age, there is no fixed track. One, be where your boots are. That's one of the advice, pieces of advice I got from my commanders. Do the best job you can at the job you're doing but always be watching for something else that looks more exciting and has opportunities. And because the space field right now, both in the government and in the civilian world is exploding right now, there are so many opportunities and everyone can pretty much pick their own path right now in space. Uh, if you wanna be you know, a, a, a jack of all trades like I am, it's so easy to do that and still have uh, so many ways to take all of your skills and focus them on the next job. Or if you want to be, you know, a launch officer and you want to be a rocket scientist, literally, I have a friend who does that. Uh, she was, uh, she did rocketry, uh, rocket engineering in the Air Force. And she's now working with um, SpaceX down in Texas, helping design rocket engines. I mean, it's the mind boggles at all of the different fields that are currently available and all of the ones that we as the engineers and and you know tech experts within the field we could pretty much invent our own jobs right now because there are so many things that are not being done that a very smart expert could look at it and say i can do that or you know um someone with the right skill sets could say i could do that and fix this problem and you've just created a new a new job or a new track. Um, so yeah, the space field right now is just so exciting. And there's so many opportunities for people with who, who love tech, who love space, who love arguing with the air guys, which I do a lot uh, about, you know, which is really the high ground and 
who's got the better deal. Um, so uh, for someone going into the space field, there's really not too many fixed paths. Um, the fun part is actually, what is it they call it? The cowboy syndrome where you're kind of like, oh, I want to do that. And I want to do that. And I want to do this. And, and you put it all together. And all of a sudden you've created something exciting and new and perfect for yourself. This is certainly possible. The, the careers in aerospace are exploding, as Karen had mentioned. Uh, oh, so yeah. you can land uh, yourself into a career that has a, 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 a hopeful ladder. Um, you'll probably be paid pretty well for it. Uh, and if you need to take on student loans to get there, uh, hopefully there'll be enough of a financial reward for you to be able to support that. I'm sure there would be. Karen Fishburn, Space Systems Analyst with MITRE Corporation. Thank you so much for sharing your career story with us. Oh, my pleasure. And students I hope and somebody teachers. somebody gets a gem out of it. Yeah, students and teachers stand by after a brief break. We will uh, proceed with an informational interview with Karen uh, to find out what a day in her life looks like today. Welcome back teachers and students to part two of our Everyone Has a Story interview with Karen Fishburn. Karen is a space systems analyst with the MITRE Corporation. Karen, thank you again for donating some of your valuable time today. Oh, happy to be here. Yeah, so part two of our interview is an informational interview about the day in the life of Karen Fishburne <laughs> today. So what does that look like for you? Oh, day in the life. Um, this is going to be the boring part. Uh, so uh, one of the things that I have discovered is my special skill set and something I actually enjoy doing. I wouldn't have said that or ever thought this would happen when I was in school, but I love doing in-depth research and papers uh, to kind of design and build and uh, recommend new ways of doing things. A lot of what I do is spent reading and researching and making notes like crazy and trying to figure out better ways to uh, build a mousetrap. Basically, how do we operate uh, you know, surveillance better? How do we do it better? Um, right now, I spend um, about 50% of my time working with Japan, uh, trying to help them build their deep space or their military space capabilities and to avoid all the mistakes that we've made here in the States over long year years. Um, the US military has been involved in space since 1957 when Sputnik went up. So we've had a lot of trial and error, uh, a lot of opportunities for mistakes and, and, and successes. And um, Japan is, is just getting their military space systems going. And so I spend time trying to help them avoid mistakes we've made and uh, build the best possible system and infrastructure for their space systems. So uh, that's how I spend half my time. The other half of my time I spend, like I said earlier, with uh, uh, military space command and control. Uh, how will the US fight the war in space? I spend my day asking that myself that question and trying to come up with better ways to do it and helping um, the organization that I, that I work with uh, try and develop the best possible plans and, and ways of doing that uh, and give them the best tools. I go out and play with a lot of tools, which sounds kind of boring, but that's actually the fun part. I get to go play with systems that other people have built and who, who say are the, oh, this will fix all your problems. And I get to go tell them, no, this is garbage. You know, this doesn't do what you say it's going to do. Um, or I go in and I say, oh, this really is great. Hey, can you make it 
you know, with a purple bow on it instead of a blue. So uh, that's how I spend my day. Um, like I said, doing a lot of reading, a lot of research, uh, a lot of staring at the wall in front of me, trying to figure out how to do things better and uh, how to help uh, the people that uh, I'm, I'm supporting in the governments, the two different governments. Great, Karen. That's a, a excellent segue to our next couple of questions. Um, oh, fantastic. And, yeah, and I really like um, that you talked about that you never saw yourself doing research when you were <laughs> younger, right? So, oh, I hated term papers. <laughs> let's oh. talk about the most um, two or three most important technical skills or job knowledge skills that you need to deploy on a daily basis to be successful in your job. And then um, if you want to uh, add on to that answer and talk about maybe two or three of the most important soft skills or essential skills that you need to deploy. Well, technical skills, that's actually much easier than the soft skills, I think. Uh, technical skills, um, something that they don't teach in school now that I really wish they did is orbital mechanics. Um, what is the physics in, that's involved in space? Uh, because the physics in space is so much different than here uh, in the atmosphere. Um, and I uh, was terrible at physics. Um, I, I did very, 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 very poorly in college in physics, which is why I picked the math path that I did and have two math degrees now. But orbital mechanics fascinates me. Um, so just because you're bad at one part of a science doesn't necessarily mean you shouldn't try others. Uh, orbital mechanics, uh, I spend a lot of my day explaining to pilots, especially since um, now with commercial space, uh, the FAA has more involvement with space launch, with uh, re-entering vehicles and with debris falling in. Um, I spend a lot of my day explaining to pilots who are used to dealing with uh, barometric pressures, uh, mock speeds, um, miles and feet, uh, trying to explain to them that in space, there is a void, you know, there is no atmosphere, there is no barometric pressure. Uh, we work in kilometers and uh, not in miles. Um, so we say kilometers per hour, they say miles per hour, and then we all have to go off and do our computations to convert. That The orbital mechanics aspect is critical because uh, I do spend a lot of my time educating folks like pilots uh, that space and, and air don't work the same, no matter how much they want it to. And there's a lot of space, a lot more than air, so they have to you know, learn our way of speaking instead of their way, uh, which is the language I use with them and they don't appreciate that. So orbital mechanics is critical to my job. Um, it, it pretty much shapes everything I do. The other aspect is, is the uh, technologies that are involved with space. And right now that is changing so fast. Uh, when I first started out, it was only governments that had, uh, that were launching or putting objects on orbit and operating satellites on orbit. And all of them, <laughs> all the governments and all of the uh, agencies that were building space uh, tools were pretty much working off of the same handbook. So all of us were building pretty much the same things. It was very easy to keep up with the technology. Uh, today, as we know, we have commercial companies all over the world and just as an example, for most of my career, there's only been 20 sites around the world that launched objects into orbit. Uh, in, where are we now? In 2023, there will be 45, and not all of them will be associated with governments. They, a lot of them will be, the new ones 
will be owned and operated by commercial ventures who are doing things their way and are not necessarily doing things according to the old playbook. In fact, a lot of them like SpaceX are trying to throw out the old playbook and create entirely new ones, which is great. I mean, I'm not dissing them, but it does make my job a little harder in having to keep up with all the technologies from all the different countries that are being developed. And uh, there's so many and it's so exciting. Um, but keeping up with the technologies right now is, is uh, a big part of how I spend uh, my day, part of that research part, um, trying to keep up with all the new types of launchers that are being developed and new satellite propulsion and things like that. Those are the two aspects, uh, two technical parts of my job that keep me very busy. And then Karen, let's uh, talk about some of the softer skills or the um, uh, critical skills. Um, uh, I mean, research is could be considered a critical skill, critical soft skill. Problem solving, collaboration, communication, teamwork. What, what are those uh, softer skills that you need to deploy to be successful? Well, yeah, you hit on the big one for me that I use is the problem solving. Um, because like I said, as a part of my job here, it's to kind of step outside the projects and say, well, this is going to end well, or this is, looks like you're running into a dead end and need to redirect or, you know, pieces and parts of this are going to be a problem. Um, I was a, a puzzle kid when I was growing up. I, would, I was always in a corner reading a book, doing crosswords, uh, doing physical puzzles on tables and things like that, um, logic puzzles. And that I have found was my training you know, the biggest part of my training for my current job was was being able to look at um, a project in front of me or a design or whatever and be able to um, turn it around in my head and, and twist parts and, you know, what if I do this and if I turn this piece this way and um, in a lot of cases that's been my value to projects is my ability to come at things from completely different directions. And I, I attribute that to, you know, doing all these puzzles as a kid because that was my obsession. And it still is. I still sit on my phone and do word puzzles and things, but um, uh, that's a huge soft skill. And that's a skill, the ability to look at a problem and twist it on its head, it's helpful in every job. I mean, I wish people could, could do that more. Um, so that's a, a soft skill that would be helpful anywhere being able to do the research. Um, I'm curious, I'm a naturally curious person. So I love, you know, unlike the papers in school where I was told what I had to write about and it has to be within these confines and in this format. Um, like I said, I've, I've found a passion for research and, and capturing a lot of this um, because I get to pick the subject and I get to pick the path I'm following and I get to go dig into like you know, how SpaceX is doing their thing, and uh, how does that compare to some of the Chinese companies that are being developed? And you know, this is stuff I'm curious about anyway. And uh, so, uh, the research side of it uh, is a huge soft skill, and and that I attribute my curiosity to to my enjoying that part of it. Just I want to know how they do it. So digging into it and and getting into the meat of their published papers and stuff. Uh, it's it's actually something I want to know anyway, and now they're paying me to go do it. So, hey, why not? I am an introvert. I am very much an introvert. You can't tell here because I've spent a lot of time working on 
my communication skills. Uh, uh, I, I mentioned before that uh, I try to do something every time, every year that scares me and um, <laughs> public speaking one year was my challenge. And so I have learned to, to uh, communicate, to actually go to people and initiate conversations at work. Um, like I said, I work with a, uh, a company full of brilliant people and being able to initiate conversations and have exchanges with them, uh, active exchanges on the work I'm doing or the work they're doing um, is so invaluable because um, the, just hearing what peripheral programs are doing and that is another nice thing about MITRE. I, in normal times, could just walk next door and there's a telescope expert there. And then I walk next door to that and there's a, a guy who's working at the space headquarters who knows everything that's going on there. And I go to the next office and there's a cyber expert. And the next office is a computer programmer, um, which is a total mystery to me, computer programming. Um, and I could initiate conversations and say, hey, I've got this problem. It, you know, is a piece of your job and a piece of your job. And, and I I'm trying to figure out how to fit it all together. And having those conversations, I wouldn't have been able to do it in my twenties, but I developed, I overcame that fear and that hesitation and uh, have worked on my communication skills and the ability to do those exchanges and interchanges of ideas productively um, and, and listen. Listening is also part of that communications because uh, other people have brilliant, you know, these great ideas that you can, you say, oh, that, that thing you wanted to try, that would fit perfectly, you know, on my widget. So let's work together. Um, and uh, like I said, as an introvert, the idea of working with someone and initiating the conversation were just terrifying to me before, but I've worked on those skills and I've mostly overcome it. I still have moments where I kind of sit in the corner and don't say a word, but I, I, I try and kick myself when that happens. So those are, those are some soft skills that have served me very well in my career, and I think would help anyone in any career. Excellent, Karen. Thank you. You seem like the poster child of the PPBEA mission uh, that, <laughs> that you've connected your talents, interests, and aptitudes to the world of work. Um, so thank you so much for sharing your experience. And, uh, you know, you said uh, a day in your life is boring, but you've, in these last two questions, you've really uh, indicated that um, a lot of what you do kind of charges your batteries, that you love it, that you like, the research, <laughs> right? So that's great. Yeah, <laughs> it works for me. And that's the thing. Everybody just has to find, you know, what really are your passions? Even the ones you didn't think, like writing research papers, you'll be surprised once you get out there and start playing around. Karen, can you pick one thing that you like most about your job? The thing I've been enjoying the most lately, uh, part of the work with Japan and then with the operations centers here is that it opened up an opportunity for me to work with the international military space community. And I have actually in the last five years attended meetings with up to 15 nations with people who are just as geeky and just as you know space excited as I am and who speak the same language as me. And um, that has been so much fun the last few years. And I wish I could find a way to do that full-time. 
Um, and I actually keep telling my bosses, you know, hey, I've got this great idea. Um, and they're not quite willing to invest in it yet. But um, that has been the most fun for me is to get into an auditorium full of space geeks like me who were inspired by the same movies. And, you know, we sit and talk Star Trek and Star Wars and Galactica and all those kinds of things. Um, but then we also kind of transition into, okay, how do we fight the space war? Now, you know, we've got these, all these cool tools. Let's figure out how we can do this. And, and uh, being able to talk with an international community and do that has just been so exciting for me. So I don't know, I'm just geeking on that one, but that one has been so much fun. Excellent. What do you like uh, most about working for MITRE Corporation in particular? MITRE Corporation, um, like I said, I worked in the military uh, 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 when I was an officer, and then I worked uh, as a contractor for a couple of years after I got out of the military um, for about 13 years. And I joined MITRE about eight years ago. And as, a, as an FFRDC, giving me the chance to be the honest broker, I don't speak for the government, I'm not delivering a product, so I'm not going to give you a sales pitch. Um, but being able to go into meetings and do that um, has been wonderful. But beyond that, it's also opened up all of these opportunities. Like I said, I get to go, you know, talk space geek, you know, sci-fi with uh, Brits and Italians. And I worked with a, uh, some officers from Thailand last time I went to this program. Um, and we're all geeking about the same things. Um, that's been so much fun. MITRE has given me the opportunity to do these kinds of things. And it's a company that because they are spread across disciplines and they're not trying to produce one particular thing, but to, to be that spread and that, that advisor across disciplines, um, it's given me some opportunities that I never would have had anywhere else. So that's one of the things I like about, <coughs> excuse me, about working with MITRE. Karen, uh, also recognizing that not every job is going to be unicorns and rainbows each day. Is, <gasps> yes. <laughs> is there something um, unsatisfactory that you find in what you have to do every day or perhaps a task that you really don't like to do that you really have to do? Oh, there's, there's always those, unfortunately. Um, what's one that I can, can, that actually conveys some information? Uh, Oh my God, training. I have seen secure, every security training video. Let's see, I've been working for like 31 years in this, this uh, domain every, every year. So I've seen some of these videos 31 times and you have to watch it every year and sign off on it. So that kind of stuff, oh my gosh, it gets monotonous and you, you, you do a lot of the, why am I doing this uh, for yourself? Um, but that's part of any career you're gonna be in. Um, if you work for the government, you're going to see the same training videos I've been watching for 31 years. Uh, so, and even the interns here have had to go through those. Um, let's see, what else is awful? Um, you are going to deal with some people, I'd say awful people, but that's mean, right? Um, that you just cannot work with or that you just don't get along with. Um, and they pop up in unexpected places and they at unexpected times. And sometimes you run into two or three of them at the same time, which is exhausting. And um, man, you just gotta work through it and, and uh, either find common ground or um, find 
something else. I've done both. Uh, I've I've managed to uh, find a way of working with people that I don't gel with, um, or that you know I fundamentally disagree with, or just don't get along with for whatever reason. Um, you find a way to get through it and get to the end of the project. You just focus on the end, or um, or you change work. And I've done that too. And that's always disappointing when you have to, it feels like surrendering, but it isn't because you're not being productive when you're in that kind of a, an unfriendly environment. Um, you, it's, it's for your own state of health. You know, you, you can't produce uh, when you're focused on just staying away from someone uh, and uh, it's not good for anyone. So in those cases, I would say just, you know, if, if none of your tries at solutions work, then, you know, talk to your boss. And that's something, actually, a good piece of advice is if you get into a situation where you're, there's no progress and you're unhappy, especially if you are like super unhappy to the point where you're actually thinking about, you know, quitting, go to your boss, you'd be surprised. Uh, I've, I, you know, it feel again, it feels like you're surrendering. It feels like you're giving in. It feels like you're, uh, uh, something you can't solve, but there are some things you can't solve. And in every time I have gone to my boss and said, look, this situation, I just can't work with it. My bosses have surprised me, even though I've done this several times and said, okay, uh, we have this other project over here you can work on, or, you know, here, work this and uh, we will find someone to replace you or something like that. They always find, have other ideas that I hadn't thought were possible. Um, so when you get into those awful things, awful situations, um, work with your, with your bosses. You'd be surprised unless it is your boss. That's the problem. And then go to a friend or maybe another, a peer of your boss and talk with them. Great advice. Karen. <laughs> I don't know. Those are, those are awful when you end up yeah. in those situations. Well, you know, um, the, the people, uh, part of, uh, relationships and, working is really mm -hmm. difficult. I think you, you make a, a solid point. Uh, I don't want to inject my view into this, but <laughs> I spent most of my life running from supervision. Um, supervising ah, okay. So it's, it's just not easy. You know, it takes a, it yeah. takes a, a lot of talent to be able to lead people and, and uh, collaborate with people. So thank you for oh, being honest definitely. with that. Yeah. Karen, and there for are that some student. people that you will you will clash with. It's just inevitable. That's human nature. So yeah, and then how can we work through that conflict in a way that uh, we're right. able to execute, you know, our mission, right, and mm -hmm. our tasks? Exactly. Karen, for that high school student watching your informational interview right now, can you suggest <laughs> ways to that student to gain exposure to and experience in your field of work? Oh, sci-fi. Sci-fi movies are great, but just be aware that most of the science is wrong. <laughs> so um, it will it will taint you on sci-fi movies when you start learning about orbital mechanics because you'll say, "Oh, that's not possible! They can't do that!" Oh my gosh! Um, but yeah, that was that was as as a kid, and even now, uh, that's my passion is is the sci-fi genre and the sci-fi community because um, we're all passionate about space. Uh, you guys have the internet today. It's wonderful. Um, and if you use it well and use it wisely, um, you can find opportunities out there. I mean, there's companies like, you know, companies, organizations like NASA and uh, that have internships available. They have camps where they'll, they'll train you. 
uh, a lot of the tech companies here in town to include MITRE have programs, internship programs for high schoolers and for college students where you can actually walk in and they'll have you working on a project. Uh, our internship program for high schoolers at MITRE is unusual in that we actually put our high schoolers to work on programs supporting the government in, in one aspect or another. Um, interns we've had have helped write, help, you know, been on teams writing codes for, uh, let's see, I think they did a jamming program uh, for uh, jamming satellites, you know, to as an experiment. And then they went out and built an antenna and tried to jam a satellite with the cooperation of the satellite owner, of course, um, to see if it worked. And that helped the satellite owner determine if their uh, ability to avoid the jamming actually worked. So, I mean, there are internship programs out there that uh, that are actually really productive. And a lot of companies here in town in Colorado Springs and all over the country um, have internship pages. If you go to their company, you know, if you find a company you're really interested in and you go to the jobs uh, drop down for that company, a lot of them will have internships and a few even have high school internships available. Um, there are... Uh, um, one thing I do, which uh, seems to help, I don't know, I hope it helps. Um, I put together panels of either women, professional women, or I'll put together STEM panels of folks that I know with different backgrounds and we'll go to high schools and just answer high school students' questions, you know, and we'll talk about everything from, you know, the resumes and, and skill sets to, I think dating in the workplace has come up and uh, we've had questions about feminism in the workplace. So, you know, the, the students decide what the, the themes of those panels are gonna be, but it does give students opportunities. So if panels like STEM panels and things like that come to your school, go to them because it gives you access to people who have different experiences from the people that you see every day, your teachers and parents. Um, it also gives you access to um, career fields and areas and disciplines that you may not have access to or that, you know, may be unusual or new. Um, so use those panels. Those are fantastic. Um, and those are also set up by organizations around the, the, the area too. Uh, I, I've gone to panels and been part of panels for um, UCCS, uh, Society of Women Engineers. They send us to different schools. Um, and also uh, Women in STEM, that, that organization here in town puts together panels every now and then. Um, and, you know, if you want to get all of that stuff in one place, uh, I have to confess, this PPBEA organization is fantastic. Um, the resources that they're making available for you guys was not around in the 80s when I was looking, trying to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up. And um, these interviews, uh, they give you an opportunity to um, be exposed to things that, again, you may have no uh, touch points for that in, in normal life. And you can actually talk with people and, and hear from people who've tried things that you're considering trying. Um, so, you know, what to look for in colleges or how to write a resume or, you know, uh, what disciplines are necessary to get to be an astronaut. Um, those kinds of conversations, you know, this organization is pulling it all together for you. Use it. Oh my gosh, don't go out and, you know, be stubborn and try and do it yourself. 
uh, if nothing else, it'll give you a head start and some ideas for you know where you can continue your your search for what you want to be when you grow up. And I'm still trying to figure it out, to be honest. So um, yeah, lots of things. Uh, so much, even in lockdown, there's so many opportunities. So use them. I'm jealous. Sure. I wish yeah. I had it. Thank you. Uh, so much great information and students. You are watching this interview, this recorded interview at ppbea.org. Um, if you search in the opportunities menu, you'll find hundreds of opportunities <laughs> to explore careers in engineering and aerospace on our website at ppbea.org. Uh, actually, Karen has also made herself available to do a one-on-one -on -one, uh, uh, web meeting interview with a student who might be interested to speak with her. Uh, MITRE Corporation itself has, I think, six or eight career professionals that have sponsored and posted various opportunities to connect with them at our website. Also, I forgot to mention this during the break, Karen, uh, PPBEA also, students, you should be interested in this if you are looking in this bucket of careers. Uh, we have an increasing partnership with the Space Foundation going on. Uh, what an amazing organization. Yes. They're making a bunch of docents and subject matter experts available to us um, for students to be able to view those interviews and talk to those professionals. So the world is opening up for students to uh, kind of uh, broaden their uh, interest sets of the types of careers they might have talents, interests, and aptitudes for. So Karen, thank you so much for that. Oh, and Space Foundation, they have actual astronauts on their staff who I've talked to. So yeah, if, if you're interested in that side of it, definitely go there. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Karen, talk to us about your financial decision making with related to your education, uh, particularly post-secondary or advanced degrees that you may have accumulated. How did you go about um, deciding whether to or how to or whether to invest in that education and how um, you kind of justified the return on that investment uh, based on where you've landed in your career? What does that look like for you? Well, I've been very fortunate. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of an unusual story when it comes to schooling and higher education. Um, for my uh, bachelor's, uh, like I said, I uh, was offered uh, or an opportunity came up where the Air Force needed physics and math majors and they were willing to pay for it. So my timing there was dumb luck. Um, but in the meantime, I had also put in the, the, the time in high school to focus on science and math because of my aspirations at that time. And so I was able to get that math scholarship um, from the Air Force. They paid my full tuition um, and guaranteed me a job afterward. So um, that was an unusual situation, but man, I, I jumped on that one. That's one of those cases where <clears throat> even though I was I, uh, in there as an aerospace engineer to get an aerospace engineering degree, um, when that opportunity came up, the, the benefits just were fabulous. So I jumped on it and got a math degree instead um, and got a nine year, actually 31 year career out of that. Um, so uh, in that case, I, I lucked out. I graduated from college, not only with no debt, but with a job. Um, after that, uh, one of my assignments was to Dayton, Ohio, 
Um, I had asked for an overseas assignment, and for some reason, they sent me to Ohio. Uh, even though I said I will go anywhere in the world, um, they sent me to Ohio. Um, it was a, a not as exciting a job, and there was not a lot of, you know, I was early 20s at the time and single, and there wasn't a lot to do in the neighborhood. So um, the Air Force had a program, you know, because I was looking, well, I'm bored. What am I going to do? Uh, they had a, a program where they would pay three quarters of your tuition for um, going to college for a, a degree that could help you in your Air Force career. <clears throat> and uh, so I signed up for that, got the tuition assistance and uh, got my master's degree in um, science management, which was basically another math degree. Um, and they paid three quarters of the tuition. So I only had to pay a quarter of the tuition for a master's degree. And I was able to do that as a single officer out of you know my paycheck. So I pretty much got my master's degree with no debt. Um, after that, uh, I hit that point where I was kind of at a loss for what to do next because I, I didn't get the plan that I had originally thought of. Um, and I challenged myself to do this something crazy every year or something that I was scared of every year. The other thing I challenged myself to do was continuing education. My, my father was a college professor um, and education was something, you know, he, he, you know, constantly beat into us and it stuck with me. So my personal challenge to myself was to uh, get some kind of certification every 10 years. And so I, you know, with my bachelor's in 89 and my master's in 97, I, I hit the uh, 2000s and thought, oh my God, what am I gonna do now? And so I looked around and I found that uh, UCCS here, University of Colorado, Colorado Springs had online uh, graduate certificate programs for in fields that actually would help me in my work. And so in 2006, I got a graduate certificate uh, which is basically half a master's, the way they've set up their program at UCCS uh, in um, Homeland Defense. And then I just finished here in 2019, a graduate certificate in intelligence, national intelligence, um, to, to kind of, you know, meet this personal um, standard for keeping up. Uh, there's always more to learn and I want to learn more. Um, both of those I paid for with tuition assistance from my companies. And because intelligence and um, Homeland Defense are related to my career field, uh, my companies paid for it in full. They paid full tuition. Now, in both cases, uh, one was uh, with a previous company and this last degree uh, certificate was with MITRE. In both cases, I had to get an A or a B in every class for them to pay for it, which in some of these classes is pretty hard, but um, it was worth it. I mean, it's free money. They pay for the tuition. You just go to class and you get a certificate out of it that you carry with you for the rest of your life. So that that seemed like a, a bargain for me. Um, my next, so now that we're in the 2020s, the next uh, thing I want to learn, I want to become a scuba diving instructor because that's what I want to do after I retire. Uh, so that's my next challenge, and I'm trying to figure out how to get my company to pay for it, and I don't think I will. That one might actually be out of my pocket, but um, I've been very fortunate. Like I said, I have, you know, two full degrees and two graduate certificates in, in fields in my domain, and 
paid very little for it, uh, didn't go into massive amounts of debt. So there are opportunities out there. Um, and being half Asian and Hispanic, um, and my mom is Appalachian, which is a category now, which I don't believe, but there's so many opportunities out there for grants and scholarships and other stuff that I'm helping my own teenagers with right now. Um, that uh, it takes a lot of work, but it's free money, you know, so it's worth the work if, if you can find a way to do it. Um, so that's how I got where I am now. Karen, thank you. And students, um, if you're watching multiple interviews, you're learning that there are uh, lots of different ways to um, help offset the costs or investment in, in a uh, higher education. Um, many companies uh, that are of any size do have some sort of reimbursement programs uh, for advancing education, especially if it's aligned with your role at that company. Uh, so yeah, the scuba diving thing might be a stretch, Karen, right? Yeah, they've kind of <laughs> given me a ho-hum look, but. <laughs> so yeah, students, you can graduate high school if you're not sure exactly what you want to do when you're entering college. The recommendation is, you know, maybe take a gap six months or a year before you make a solid decision uh, to invest in a post-secondary education. Because uh, the last thing we want to do is go to college to do career exploration and pay college tuition for that, right? <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah. <laughs> Karen, the hard part of our interview is over. What, oh, do you like, what do you like to do in your free time? Oh goodness. Uh, well, in Colorado, I love hiking. Um, and uh, yeah, the mountains are just, you know, within sight here. It's, it's amazing. And I'm always telling my kids, they don't know how lucky they are growing up here. Um, because we're, you know, we do the outdoor sports. We have the dogs. We go out hiking, uh, camping, fishing. Well, not so much fishing lately, but um, yeah, definitely the outdoor sports. Um, I'm a, I'm a geocacher, uh, which for those of you that don't know, I uh, look for small Tupperware boxes in the woods using the multi-million dollar satellites, uh, uh, GPS satellite systems. Um, and uh, that's always been fun for me. Uh, I also am a Pokemon trainer, uh, so I go wandering around the city looking at my phone for that. Um, I also, I read a lot. Uh, I actually have uh, a textbook in work, so to, uh, and the, the objective of that one is, uh, it's a high school text for orbital mechanics. Uh, so uh, if I can get some time at some point to set aside, maybe someday, you know, your kids will be looking at my textbook someday. Um, what else? Yeah, just spending time with my family, especially with the COVID, you know, it's, it's nice. My kids are uh, older teenagers, and so it's nice to have them trapped in the house with me where I can actually sit and spend time with them. Um, and uh, yeah, my husband too. So he's good to have around. I like Less spending time with least. him. <laughs> Karen, what do you want to be when you grow up now? Oh, like I said, when I retire, I want to be a scuba instructor. I want to go to warm waters and beautiful oceans and go look at the fish and help other people do that. So that's that's what I want to be when I grow up. Excellent. And Karen, <laughs> any, any final experience um, or um, uh, information you'd like to pass along, particularly to that high school student watching this interview <laughs> who might want to be kind of like you when they grow up? 
Oh, well, like I said, you know, for my 17 year old self, I'd say, you know, be bold, challenge yourself, try things that, that you don't think quite fit, but, you know, really interest you because you'll be really surprised to find that the things that you love doing now, whether it's computer games or uh, reading or puzzles or hiking or whatever, you'd be amazed how you can take your interests and, you know, the things that you, that actually pay a salary um, and find a path that's customized for you, you know, um, like the cyber field. If you love computer games, shoot, go into cybersecurity, learn how to, to fight the cyber war, you know, take that, that love of gaming and challenge yourself by fighting the Russians, you know. Um, you'd be amazed how you can take the things you love and the things you really enjoy and, and the things that, you know, the careers that are out there and, and find something that's really a match. Uh, it's there, you may have to look for it. It may take you a few years to find it, but it's out there and, uh, or you have to make it, you know, you can do that too. So uh, don't get discouraged and don't get stuck in something you don't like, you know, find alternatives. Uh, you can work your way out of those positions uh, with the passion, you know, the, the things you love, just look for the things you love and the things that interest you. You'd be surprised. Excellent That's advice, Karen. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> Karen Fishburne, Space Systems Analyst with MITRE Corporation. It's been a pleasure to hear your story today. Thank you so much again for donating some of your time. Oh, this has been fun. It's kind of a kind of interesting looking. <laughs>